Hello, Lewis. Hi, Tiago. So today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about extreme programming. Before we went on, you just told me it was a subject dear to your heart. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a subject that I have little to no experience of. And Tiago has been telling me about and we thought it'd be a good idea to do a podcast on it. So uh, I think we should get into it with an explanation of what extreme programming is. Okay. In, in the broad sense, extreme programming is a software methodology and it's, it's composed on, of several practices and several techniques that you can apply to your software development project and team. Um, the main objective of these practices is to reduce risk and also to increase the software quality of the product that you are building. And the idea is there are several practices attached to it, like for example, TDD or pair programming. But the most important concept is when Kent Beck developed it was, okay, let's see what, what makes software products have really high quality. And they identified, okay, uh, code reviews really make it uh, the quality be higher. Then let's put all, find all these little knobs, all these little uh, things that we can tweak that when taken to the extreme, and there comes the name extreme programming, make the software quality even higher. Yeah, that is the main, uh, okay, so the main gist of it. I understand. So we could dig into those like different methodologies. So you mentioned test-driven development, which we, we spoke about slightly, but it's something that we should get into more in other podcasts. But, so test-driven development, but also pair programming. And I heard, heard also mob programming. Yeah, that is an even more extreme version of, uh, of <laughs> it. But yeah, starting with testing. We understand that testing from past observations in projects that having tests improves the quality of your code. Yeah. Then let's always do tests. That is the philosophy in Excel programming is, okay, we think this is good, then let's do it always. So for example, ah, it's good to integrate your code frequently. Okay, then let's continue integrating it. You understand? Yeah. And with testing, it passes that. It's good to have tests that test your code. Okay, then let's test everything. Then let's go even more extreme. Let's start writing the tests and let the tests guide the design of your code. And that is, is where it was born TDD. More like a, a design, a tool design to design your code because you can see how your API is looking and let the tests driven how what you are developing and how you are developing. And you start from the test like that. You have everything covered. And as a side effect, you also have documentation that is always up to date, etc. all the advantage that TDD brings. Definitely. So, so, so that's testing as one, but what, what other um, methodologies does the extreme programming have? Yeah. For example, they are always about some broader teams. For example, the, the feedback team is a is a, a principle of it, and in there enters the TDD, the pair programming because you get feedback on the things that you are producing immediately yeah. from other person. So in that case, they identify okay, code reviews are really good because I can communicate with my peers what we are developing, how we are developing, how, how this integrates in the bigger scheme, 
And that's and feedback also. That's feedback. And in pair programming, you are giving that feedback in real time instead of waiting one week for code reviews, for example. But there are others, for example, the continuous process that I was talking about. Uh, instead of waiting for integration, we talked about that in a previous mm. episode. You always integrate the code instead of uh, waiting for a definite time to improve the design. You always improve the design by doing refactoring and you always keep on releasing the product. So you, you do small releases instead of waiting, uh, like in waterfall methodologies, for six months to deliver your product. You continue delivering this. And this ties to having a process that is, instead of having uh, a very specific set points, it's always happening, something that is always happening, because that improves the software quality of the product that you are building. Because the users, as long as something is fixed, it's in the hands of the users. They don't have to wait for some process for your internal process. Completely. So, so this this is something that we've we touched upon in the past. So, the two major things there you've spoken about with extreme programming are continuous integration and, as part of a constant feedback loop, having tests. Mm. Okay. So, I personally don't do either of these massively. Um, and I'll explain like my kind of personal situation with it is I, as an independent developer, um, I go with this idea that I have more confidence in my software because I know it fully, even though I know that like, that's something I'd say like, you'd probably disagree with me on. <laughs> and we, we've spoken about it length in the past, but so, so and, and it's, it's not like personally, I'd want to, be fully doing this, but we speak about doing continuous integration and I can't have the confidence in my code to, to do continuous integration because so I, if I make a change that takes two hours, like as you've said, you can make changes and release through a continuous integration process that takes no time for you. And so you can make one change that you like and release it and customers can have it as soon as like the app gets yeah. reviewed. Whereas if I make like a, if I made like a one change or if I did a day of work on my app, mm -hmm. then I feel like I'd have to go back through and test not every single feature because it is quite well like modularized, mm -hmm. but I would still have to significantly test, which is why I do, I guess, what you say, like a, a waterfall release. Was that what it's called? Yeah. Um, so I do that where I wait three, four weeks. Well, I, as I've said, I try and make it two weeks, but it doesn't always happen. And then make one full release. So I, I feel that I can't do continuous integration because I don't have full test coverage. And even though I'm trying to cover my, my current work with tests, there's still a lot of legacy code that isn't covered by tests. Okay. And so, so I, I guess like from my perspective, it seems that I have to have, to, to have both of those, I have to have them all both from the start. Like to have continuous integration, I have to have tests covering everything from the start. Mm, not necessarily. So I, I think that I like most about Excel programming uh, is that this set of methodologies and practices, they feed into each other. Yeah. So if you have one, it's easier to do the other. If the other, yeah. it builds up. But it's not about only the practices. It's also about, we, we didn't talk about, for example, the 
the collective code ownership that uh, in, in in your case okay it, you are only one person so these kind of things sort of apply and don't apply don't make sense because you are a team of one developer yeah if it depends also on the scale that you have if, if you have a team of 20 developers things don't scale of how you do some certain things and some things yeah. make sense for a team of 20 or for a big open source project but they don't make sense for one developer working on a single application mm-hmm. you need to tailor it down and that is why this is not a set of hard rules yeah. that you need to obey it's just things that if you take in mind and you apply them you make your work better so in your case you should analyze okay what makes me deliver software with better quality and faster and reducing the risk because this set of practices also like you were explaining before for me it's easier to release because i have a lower risk because i have the tests and i integrate often and i release i have a process in mind to release very fast and very automatically mm. so you need to adapt it according to your environment and your process These are more like some ideas, some uh, principles to guide you, but it depends from case to case. Completely. Like, pair mm. programming is harder with me. Yeah, if you do, <laughs> if you're alone doing pair programming, it will be really difficult. You can do uh, rubber duck programming. I don't know if you heard. Wait, what was this? So one main advantage of pair programming, not the only one, is um, the idea that you have needs to... You need to express it out loud and doing that, sometimes you realize, okay, this doesn't make sense or this is too difficult or there is a better way to do that. You can do that with a rubber duck on, on your desk and you explain that, what you are going to yes. do to, to that rubber duck and that's the way to do it. <laughs> But mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't make sense. Some things also don't make sense if you are a team of one. Um, collective code ownership that, collective that code ownership <laughs> yeah that, that <laughs> doesn't make sense but for example there are others that are really important we also discuss them uh, in uh, not in other podcasts but I uh, discuss with you for example the sustainable pace is one principle of external programming is that weeks should last no more than 40 hours yeah if they last more than 40 hours the typical work uh, hours yeah in at least in Europe <laughs> then it means that you are doing something wrong and you are doing something that is not sustainable. If you, if you Okay, if sometimes you overwork one week. That can happen in situations of stress or delivery. Yeah. But if you are doing every single week, then something is broken in the process. You could not... It's not sustainable. The, the idea is here is to find a process where you have little risk, you have higher quality... And you can sustain it indefinitely. Because if your, if your project is successful, yeah. it will last for years. You don't want... You, you can do things faster, no? But they are not sustainable. For example, an hackathon is an example of that. Yeah. <laughs> you, do, you do really a lot of work, a lot of work in 24 hours, but the work that you are producing will not be sustained. Because or you will die of stress... And, and, <laughs> High caffeine. <laughs> I, I, I will say on yeah, that exactly. point, as you are a serial hackathon winner, <laughs> you still tell me in two-day hackathons you get eight hours sleep. 
between yeah. the two days, which is very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's basically that's a trick is focusing first using the tools that you <laughs> that you know and also focusing a lot on the value and not on what you are actually producing. Yeah, it completely. So so I going in a bit deeper on some of them, what is your experience first with pair programming? Okay. And then we'll go into mob programming after that, because that's an interesting thing. Okay. So I, I really like pair programming. In the, <laughs> all the previous companies that I was working, we were doing it uh, frequently. And for me, the advantage is sort of weird, because when, you are, when I was introduced to it, I didn't understand it. At, at the beginning, and I was like, okay, why would you are paying two people to do <laughs> the job of one, yeah. you know? But when you think about it, the bottleneck of doing software is not typing. Yeah. Yeah. Because typing is one part of the project. Then is also knowing things and also building the right thing. And everyone is aware of what is being built. Uh, I don't know if you work in teams of with other developers or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's easier to get first mismatches in expectations. Okay, we should build this thing, and then you go to build it, and it's a completely different thing that you need to build. So there is a mismatch. Then there is also the problem of creating silos of knowledge, where these people maybe leave the company or cannot come to work, and everything stops in that area. Doesn't make sense. And also, when you are doing work with two, it's easier also to follow best practices. It's easier to to get criticized in the work that you do and receive feedback on how to improve, see different ways of working. For me, it has some drawbacks, but the advantage of it are really, are really good. Are really good. We also did some <laughs> some experiments with that. And it's, yeah, well, it's experiments nice. with yeah. Pro- 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 yeah, no, do you remember when we... Oh, we do, yeah, yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was actually one of my like only experiences of pair programming. Yeah. Um, and it, again, it, exactly what you said. When I first introduced the concept, I thought the exact same thing. But then what we are as programmers, we're not like... It's, it's not like the horror stories that you hear about like uh, someone, a boss saying, you're not typing fast enough. Yeah, actually, I actually heard that. Wait, I thought that was something that didn't actually get ever said. Yeah, <laughs> that, that one, not, not type faster, but uh, I heard this developer that was working in a company. And I don't know, he was reading some documentation and like the boss said, oh, I'm not hearing keystrokes, what's happening? It's and just, he's like, what? The eyes. It's mind-blowing. And mob programming is taking that concept even further. Uh, is the whole team working in one computer at the same time. Yeah. Okay. And in there, what happens, at least in my experience, okay, I, I did, my experience, I did it with uh, only developers. We only did with the develop, development team, not okay. with okay. also okay. the product and marketing <laughs> or the design. But I can see the benefits of it because you get a full view of what you are building and why you are building it. Yes. And when you are a sole developer, say, okay, this idea is great. But maybe you have the business person on the side and says, okay, but how are you going to monetize that? Or the marketing person. No, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense because we don't know how to explain that to people. Let's put that in another way or make this other feature that is even simpler to implement 
and gives us much more business value and has much business impact. So Definitely. It's, it's, it's interesting, it's interesting. When I did it in a development team, the, the, the development speed was crazy because we never got stuck. We never got stuck. You, you know, when you are, okay, programming and you say, oh, okay, I, I don't know this API. Yeah, I need to yeah. go to documentation or, oh, I don't know how to, okay, now I need to fake this server and do a proxy or something. And you need to go to read about it and then do it. In that yeah. case, everyone had expertise in a different was... area <laughs> and we never got black. We were doing so fast, so fast. It was, it was incredible. But how, experience. It, that definitely sounds cool, but like how, firstly, how often would you do that? Mm. And, and secondly, like, like if, if it is so good, then why aren't we all doing it? So it's also like by programming, it consumes more energy because okay. that, that's one of the things because you need to always being arguing and being talking yes. and being making decisions and questioning things. So you need, you need to be fully active in that, in that thing. And then sometimes some tasks like pair programming maybe are not effective by doing a pair or doing it all the team. No, imagine mm. that I have to uh, go very uh, technical on a topic to solve a problem. Yeah, it doesn't make sense for the marketing people to be looking at it while I'm uh, writing some tests and very deeply in an API. No, then it makes so. If I will do it, I will do it. I don't know, a morning, an afternoon, or maybe one day per week, maximum tops. Ah, okay, so so okay, you, you're the CTO of a big software development company, and you're splitting up how you want the time of your developers to be and what what are your rules to are they ever going to be programming on their own are they always doing pair programming and, and when do they do like mob programming <laughs> so i have zero experience but yeah, 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 yeah i never thought about that uh no my i will not impose any rules first okay, of all, okay okay first of all or any methodologies because these are in my opinion, a receipt for disaster if you say, Same okay, person. you need to do these kind of things. You need to do TT. You need to... No, I do because I feel comfortable and I receive... That's my way of working and how I feel... Uh, how I can build software uh, with quality. Okay. But that is a technique that I use. If you use a different technique, but you achieve the same results, then you can do whatever you want. For example, in Facebook... They don't use TDD explicitly. They do, since they are shipping to a lot of people, they do small um, user releases and they do monitoring a lot, a lot of monitoring. So they use that as a feedback loop. That's the important thing is if, if I was the CTO of a big company and I said, the important thing is to focus on these broader uh, objectives not on how you yeah. you are going to do which kind of language, which kind of tool. That doesn't matter. That is low level stuff. How you are doing. The important thing is how can we make the, the business more uh, sustainable? For example, how can we increase these kind of things? And people ha have this. The important thing is to have this business context and to optimize for that. Then 
how you do it is up to you. If you want to work on pair, if you want to work on mob, if you want to work remotely, if I don't know, it's up to you. Ah, okay. So, if you want so, to use a Mac, a PC, a Linux, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, then, then what I, matters is the, the objective that you are trying to achieve. I'll, I'll change slightly the question. Okay. Um, <laughs> how would your perfect day in a big team be? Or like what, what would make you do pair program and what would make you do mob program and single program? Um, I, I really like pair programming because I learn a lot with other people. It's when, uh, yeah. for me, it's really important to learn and also it's a way of communicating and also to getting to know your teammates, etc. For me, I will do, and before in other teams, we were doing uh, pair programming. So if you tell me about the perfect week of development, we'll be uh, planning some things because you need to plan even if it is for a short term. Yeah. Um, then I will work uh, yeah, with uh, a mix of our programming, of mob programming, maybe some tasks, study or other things, or proof of concepts, maybe alone. And uh, it will end up with small releases and having the customer on site to test the product and shipping the things regularly. That will be very broad, in a very broad sense, that... That's, that's very the percentage will vary according to the to the problem that and the task at hand. So the specifics. Yeah. Uh, definitely. And then so when when are you saying let's all get together and do mob programming? What situation is that in? Um for example, if we are starting a new thing that we never that is uh, very uncertain. Okay. And uh, has a lot of um different expertises so we want to do we're starting this new product and we want to do the first for example vertical slice of the product that interacts let's say with the client uh, there is like a server part there is a marketing part of it a business part and we need all this knowledge from all these different that crosses from all the different areas that will be perfect for the more programming because if we are, okay, how does this work? How will business people will use that? Business people are there to answer immediately. And then, ah, marketing people, is this technically feasible? And you have the technical people. So you have everyone in the room to answer the questions so you don't get stuck. Ah, so that's... That will be one okay. way or, 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 where I will apply. Or we were doing also using a lot more programming in the refactoring yeah. where you have like this tricky code to refactor and we will get all together and say, okay, how do you think we can improve this kind of code? And everyone, ah, we can try this, ah, we can try this. And then when we reach a consensus, we try, see how it was, see if we are satisfied and then commit to it. If it was a very difficult technical problem or an, a, a very broad problem, I would say. Okay, so, so this, this is interesting. This, that's, that gives a good sell to extreme programming. But what, what if any, are the drawbacks to it? Maybe, like, what are your opinions on the speed of development doing this? So, um, one disadvantage is that um, you, you need to learn it, and you need to learn a lot of things at the same time. Yeah. Let's say, if you are uh, new to software development, you're just starting, you need to learn about TDD, you need to learn about... Uh, continuous integration, you are doing that in a 
some people for some people pair programming can be a stressful environment where you need to always keep arguing with the people so there is a lot to learn and a lot to if you, if you want to do it by the book let's say if you want to try it how it is recommended in on top of you are still learning how to program <laughs> software in general yeah and you are also <laughs> learning a new framework for example to build or maybe a mobile application or a web application yes so it's one more thing on top of <laughs> everything that you are trying to learn but could be a disadvantage another disadvantage that i saw is maybe using it people get too addicted to it in a sense that they try to follow the process yeah, yeah, yeah. only by the book without thinking okay does this make sense to be applied here or not but that's that's not agile that's the yeah, opposite but but yeah i know completely how yeah but i saw a lot of teams doing that where but we can all in some way be like a, a victim to that we can all we know one thing so we do that thing yeah yeah that could be a disadvantage then i don't i never saw it in large large teams i don't know if it works for large teams let's say larger than 10 people. Yeah. But in that case, I will try to split up the teams. And, and just and modularize it more. Maybe that's... Modularize yeah. more. I don't know. But then maybe you can... I don't know. It, it's a very difficult problem because, yeah, you can divide, but then you create silos. Like, for example, I saw some teams dividing the iOS part and the Android part. And for me, that is really bad because yes. you create different speeds and in the different applications, you create silos because if you are doing a feature, you, you are doing it in both platforms and two different teams are figuring out a different way of doing things. Yes. So I, I like the model. I don't know. I, I never saw how it works in practice because I only hear by telling that Spotify does where they slice by feature. So... I don't know if they still work like this, but I think they slice. For example, search. Uh, and there is a team responsible for doing for the search. Search on the web, on iPhone, on iPhone. Android. And they are like the search, uh, they're responsible for the searching part. Or some people are responsible for the recommendations. Okay? This kind of... I will do... I will slice according to that. To our business context or user features but not by platforms or technologies because then you risk okay and then you're looking for a team that's very multi-skilled that yeah. people that can do yeah and, and th there is comes the benefit yeah. of also pair programming because i know maybe a little bit of android and you know ios and we teach each other yeah and then okay maybe i'm you are still the expert and but i'm autonomous now in that platform and then if and you sometimes, go away yeah. so sometimes that uh, maybe not having an expert next to you can they and if they're questioning what you're doing then they can ask good questions of stuff that you do naturally but may not be the right thing to do yeah yeah I, to me it happened a lot of times when you that, that is the advantage of pairing as well like senior people or beginner people is sometimes people that are just starting they ask Okay, but why do you do things like that? And you question yeah. yourself like, yeah, that's right. That doesn't make any we, sense. We, we've had that we, at the peer lab when we were discussing like, oh, what's an IB outlet? 
You're just yeah. like, oh, I just do that. Yeah. But like, but yeah, what yeah. actually, like, what's the reference? Who's going to what? And it's, it's interesting. But even simple things like how do you set up your window? How, which kind of shortcuts do you use? Yes. Yeah, These kind of things, they are so helpful when you, when you are learning from other people, seeing other ways of working and having this vision of, okay, how do you do things? How do you connect? Why do you use this kind of technologies? How do you automate this? Because I saw especially working uh, in iOS applications with people that didn't have iOS background. I learned a lot because they were like, okay, but you know that there is a better way to do this. But since you are in that ecosystem focusing on, okay, here people do things this way. But doesn't make sense. It's like a common An illusion. Echo chamber say, of the... yeah, it's a common illusion. I, I had that again this weekend. Um, I was pair programming and we ended up like I learned like a quite a cool um, like a I guess not keyboard shortcut but like the double tap on the touchpad or mm-hmm. on the magic mouse. I didn't know about that. Okay. And that was like the most helpful thing for me because I don't swipe between screens and I wanted a way to get to two Xcode projects when I have two Xcode projects open and it was like beautiful. And then I, in the other way, um, gave a shortcut in IntelliJ. Okay. And it was like... Yeah, yeah, this so, little, for me, it's, it's really, it's the best way to learn is because you see how different people approach the same problem. There you are. Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up. That was a very good, um, I guess for me, like an introduction to extreme program, something that I'd heard about but didn't really have that much knowledge about. And okay. uh, it's a very interesting that I'd like to adopt more. Yeah, to get started, I will recommend uh, Extreme Programming Explained by, by Kent Beck. That's a good, a good introduction. Then uh, if, if you want to follow on the, uh, the technical practice, let's say, there is the TV by example by Kent Beck. Uh, there is the Continuous Delivery by Jess Humble. It's also really good. The Refactoring by Martin Fowler. Uh, there are several books that explore each one of the technical practices. And we didn't talk about all the planning aspects, the planning poker, but we can... Well, <laughs> we when can we talk do extreme programming too. Yeah, <laughs> we can talk that in, a, in another episode. Okay. Yeah.